It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. Today's episode is arguably one of the most impactful conversations that I have ever had. And I am so honored that I get to be the one to share this with you all today because our guest today is really special. She spent the most recent years of her life learning to make something beautiful of crappy situations. And I mean that literally because she is none other than the founder and CEO of the globally recognized brand, Poopery, Susie Batiz. Now, Susie's success is an inspiration in itself. She's an inventor, a self-taught entrepreneur, and a self-made multi-millionaire. But aside from her success, It's her story that's going to tug at your heartstrings today because Susie's a survivor. She survived domestic violence, assault, bankruptcy twice, depression, and so much more. Her strength is an inspiration and her journey is proof that no matter where you have been or where life has taken you, you have the strength within yourself to fight through and push forward and achieve more than you ever thought possible. So we are so excited to share Susie's conversation today, but you should know that in this conversation, we listen to Susie's story and talk about some of the things that I mentioned earlier. So if you need to protect yourself from those topics, please do. But also know that we're going to talk about purpose and strength and resilience and mental health and knowing and finding your worth and what it means to be truly alive. So Susie, thank you for joining us here on Success Stories We're so excited to have you here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. What an honor. Of course. Okay, so you founded Poopery, and I think everybody listening to this probably knows what Poopery is. And you discovered Poopery while you were sitting at a kitchen table, right? A dining room table. Tell us a little bit about that discovery. Yeah, actually I had, after my second bankruptcy, I went through what is like a spiritual sabbatical or some sort of re- uh, emerging of my authentic self. You know, um, sometimes life gives us those things to wake us up. And um, I really had found a place within myself of where I was happy and at peace. And the original, my original desires before 38 was push, 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 run, run, run. I thought success was actually going to, some sort of external success was going to give me something or fill a part of me that I didn't have inside previous, right? So I had this external validation I was seeking. So that was no longer a place. I knew where abundance came from within. I had no desire to be back in business, um, which is amazing because uh, before that's all my life was, was seeking that, you know, Madison seeking something. Um, and I had really made peace with not being a business. We were at a family dinner party and there was a, um, in a small home um, with one bathroom And someone said something about odor, and we were talking about the bathroom odor. And uh, someone said, can odor be trapped? And I was like, I swear, I felt a zing at my arm. The whole room went into high def. My hobby had been essential oils for many years. I'd made all kinds of spritzers and, you know, things never thinking about it being a product ever. And I just went, I can do that with oils. I really saw very clearly oil floats on water, like I can figure this out. And um, that was the beginning of this quest. It wasn't, I really never even thought about it being a product. It was more a challenge. Like I I had a live idea. I knew I could do it. Now it took me nine months of mixing at my kitchen table to actually create the formulation. 
one of my friends that they thought was a good idea. Mm, I don't know about that. I remember no one thinking it was a good idea, but it didn't really matter because I was being pulled from something inside me, right? So it was different from the past. So I kept mixing and mixing and mixing. And uh, finally, one day, my ex-husband now, but my husband at the time, walked out of the bathroom and said, oh, my God, we're going to be millionaires. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you realize what you've done? You've taken the smell out of you know, I was like, what? So, um, I still didn't think about it being a product, sent it out to a bunch of friends and they were like, are you kidding me? This has changed my life. Just do it. So I didn't want anything out of poopery. Like in the past, what I did is had an idea that I knew had to be shared with the world because it was so good. So that was my, uh, motivation for launching poopery into the world. Wow. Wow. And you said you were 38 years old at that time, right? Well, I was 38 to bankruptcy. So I started Poopery. This was around 42. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So a lot of women and a lot of people, you know, they think that you have to reach success by a certain age, right? And if life deals you certain cards or maybe you go through hardships, well, you've just missed your window. And that's so not the case. You can reach success at any age. And Susie, to say that you went through difficult times is an understatement. And this podcast is all about women of impact and how you use your impact and your influence, you know, on your platform to help other women. And something that I'd love to talk to you about, because I think it would be so inspiring to all of the women listening and all of the people listening is your story and how you got from where you were to where you are. And you went through domestic violence. You went through bankruptcy. You went through a lot. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you overcame all of that hardship to become the success that you are today? Yeah. So I'll real quickly go through, because there were lots more than that. I'll just do the real quick rundown. So I was born into a family, my mom and dad. My dad was a bipolar alcoholic. My mother was addicted most of her life to pain pills. So they were pretty absent, right? When my parents got divorced and when I was 10, I was actually happy. I was like, great, it's over. There was lots of uh, physical and emotional abuse in my household. So I thought we have a fresh start. At 12 years old, I was sexually molested by my stepfather that came into the picture. I was raped at 16. I was married, divorced, and bankrupt for my first time by the time I was 20 years old. Tried to uh, tried to commit suicide when I was 21. And then I was in an abusive marriage from 23. Um, had two children in that marriage and escaped that. And then my second bank- bankruptcy was at 38. So just to give you a, like, I've been through a lot of things that women actually, you know, find themselves in. Um, the first 38 years of my life, I say, was, you know, like somebody being on the top of a really high double black diamond mountain. If anybody ski, that's the hardest course. Losing a ski at the top and just tumbling from one event to the other, never realizing that I had something to do with it. And I just felt completely out of control in my life. So in my second bankruptcy, um, I, I call it the luxury of losing everything, you know, everything. I say that, you know, as in, you know, everything was really my family. <laughs> but, you know, in my uh, limited view, I thought that it was all the external successes. Um, I was able to come back to a place of myself and realize 
that not only had I contributed to some of that, and I know that's a little touchy to say for people, but I had to really own my part. That doesn't mean that other people weren't also responsible. But for example, the the great amount of unworthiness that I had and self-loathing, you know, actually get a little teary just thinking about that. What was what would is what I, the reason I was attracted to a, an abusive marriage, it makes sense, right? It's like, I feel unworthy. Therefore, I'm going to hook up with someone that's going to prove that to me over and over again. And the way I found strength and courage in that really was uh, through a psychiatrist, through the abusive marriage was a meeting with a psychiatrist. I thought I was going crazy. So I booked an appointment. It was supposed to be an hour appointment. The, the psychiatrist talked to me for three hours. Granted, the first part of my life, no one ever mentioned therapy, right? But I was at my wits end. I looked in the phone book back then, you know, this is before, <laughs> before <laughs> Google. And I found the psychiatrist. And at the end of it, I said, you know, I just kept rambling for three hours. And I said, when do I get to come back? And he goes, oh, you're more sane than I am. You don't need a psychiatrist. You need a coach. You need to get the hell out. And it was that, again, I get really weepy for these angels that come into our lives. And that was my wake-up call. Like, I need to first get out for the survival of my children. It wasn't necessarily for myself. I was more interested in making sure that my children were safe. So I got out of that marriage and then... Slowly over the next, I was probably still 25. So over the next 13 years, I fell into, oh, that's another thing. I fell into really severe depression after my third child was born, postpartum depression. I was on antidepressants for seven years. Um, I just couldn't find my way up and out. Again, I get really teary when I think about that period, Madison, because I, I don't know how much further under you can be as a being, right? I just was lost. I was so lost. My second bankruptcy is what really cleaned everything out so that I could start looking at myself and start healing a lot of my past and started taking accountability and responsibility for my part in it, not excusing or condoning behaviors, but going, wow, it makes sense I would be attracted to that sort of relationship. It makes sense that I would do that, right, based on my childhood and my history up to that point. And I found freedom in that, okay? I, I hear some people get really triggered by that. But whenever I started going from complete victim to owning even my speck of accountability, I started gaining power, within myself, I started realizing, hold on, I can control a little bit more of my life by the choices I make. Realizing the choices I made were because of my past patterns. But I started, you know, somatic therapy and, uh, you know, started doing some ayahuasca journeys. And um, really, the past 18 years, I would bet you probably won't find many people on the planet that have done more for internal personal development than I have. It's really been my full-time job. I happen to be an entrepreneur on the side. But knowing that I had to clean up so much of that past and that, you know, we call it, you know, we say healing from the trauma. And while I don't like to focus on that, there is some truth to that, that patterns were set and I was the result of those particular patterns. So as I started cleaning those up, I started feeling more and more and more empowered within my being and within my life. Wow. I'm listening to your story and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Susie, you're so strong and um, 
seeing, you know, your journey and hearing about all of the things that you went through to get to where you are is, you know, it's so empowering. And I know that there are a lot of women listening to this who can identify with that sense of not knowing their own worth, right? And feeling that they're unworthy. And so they're attracted to things that confirm that opinion of themselves. When was it the meeting with a psychiatrist or when was it that you realized, wait a second, I am worthy and I'm going to prove to myself I'm worthy and get myself out of these situations. And when you realized that, was it just this big aha moment or was it something that you had to work on every single day? I've had to work on it every day. Now, back then it was for survival only. What I knew and that psychiatrist told me that about the uh, abusive relationship marriage I was in. I knew that I had a choice. I was at some major crossroads. You know, I, I could almost see my future as it was. It was going to continue on the path it was, or I could make a commitment to get out. It took me about uh, probably about a year to actually get out. But what shifted was my desire, this incredible desire within myself to that I could do it. It took that psychiatrist to tell me, like, you need to get out, right? It mm-hmm. took that external person, that angel, as I say, that are presented in our lives to go like, he didn't say you can do it. He said, you need to do this. And I listened to that message and knew that he was right. That's why, you know, lots of people give us advice. They tell us these external things. And we know inside us when it clicks. And when it clicks, it was just like this wake up, like, holy shit, I need to get out. Now, you know, the depression and everything that happened after that, you know, was really the result of all of that previous life. And so after I was 38, when everything got, you know, taken away as far as success, I wasn't focused on so much and that external, I started going 100% inside. And I took a four-year sabbatical. And really, I worked, um, I was lucky that I had a, a you know very loving, caring husband at the time that knew that I was pretty down. And um, I said, you know, how much money do I need to make? I worked part-time. I still had a couple businesses, but my major focus was on healing. And I went in hard. You know, I went in, uh, I went to Byron Katie's workshop for 10 days. That really shifted my life. I did therapy nonstop. What I knew is that you you couldn't have tried harder externally than I did my first 38 years. Like I was, I mean, I'm a go-getter, right? I was mm-hmm. going after it hard. And if that was possible for that to have worked, it would have, and it didn't. And that was the cold splash again of reality in my face. Like that is not working. And I was forced to go inside and really look at myself. And I think what I see with a lot of women, like in my course, Alive OS, I see women that come, we have women that are homeless, that are, you know, one woman that was in jail at the time. And um, we, we create subconsciously and unconsciously these circumstances so that we can actually see where we're at in life and we can see actually the choices that we've made. And knowing that I could do something about that, that's when I started regaining the power slowly. And I'm still doing that. I still, you know, do therapy. I still, you know, work on uh, my inner being uh, every single week. It's not a 
you know, I go to a therapist twice a year when I have a problem. I keep a routine um, every Monday appointment. I have amazing mentors. My mentor, Gay Hendricks, been my mentor for eight years because what I know is my previous patterns you know, had set me up really to be in a mindset of fear and survival. And if we are going to expand out of those, we have to shift internally or else we're going to keep staying in the same cycle. It takes a lot of energy, dedication, commitment, but it absolutely 100% can be done. I haven't found that externally. I only found it internally within myself. Mm -hmm. As I started healing those aspects of my inner child, my life kept shifting in ways to where I am today. You know, it's you can have both. You can have internal success, and that is actually um, the natural outpouring of external success. Wow. I mean, talking to you, I already know that, you know, you're, you're touching my heart. I know that you're going to touch the hearts of so many people here. And, you know, listening to you talk about healing, it makes me think of that saying that when we work to heal ourselves, we don't only heal ourselves, we heal our children, we heal our families, we heal our, we heal our businesses, and we heal the people that we love, right? Yes. Because we project that on to other people. So healing is so, so important. And I heard you say that you regained that power over your own life, right? Did you ever know that you had that power to begin with? Or was that new for you? I mean, I probably knew it four years old, right? But just because of the nature of my life and, um, you know, where I came into the world, um, that was greatly um, impacted or covered up by, you know, my external world. So um, I really forgot about it. You know, I used to have, I'm, you know, sitting here at my office in, um, at Poopery, and I used to have on my um, office windows that we actually got broken to a few years ago and the windows were bursted, but it was the, the quote from, um, what was it, The Good Witch and The Wizard of Oz, I, um, she had it all along. And yes. again, I get weepy every time I figure this out at another level for myself, I am shocked, right? It's like, ah, it was always there. It's like, it's for me, the internal quest uh, within my own healing has uh, more opened and made me realize that that was actually there all along. I just was programmed through, you know, my parents, society, you know, uh, culturally, you know, all this programming um, actually convinced me that that wasn't the, the case. Wow. I mean, it's such a, it's a beautiful saying that, you know, she had it all along and it's even more beautiful to see that in practice. You know, you went through so many different hardships and you, you know, had a really hard life and you were able to turn that around, but I, you had it all along. You had it all along. You just had to take those first steps in healing that inner child, that inner you, and you were able to find that power that was always within. It's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. And that's, you know, I've just seen that so much and so many people, and, and still sometimes, you know, if I ever seek externally, you know, I'm navigating love right now and, it's like, oh, if I think that that person is going to complete something within myself, I'm wrong. You know, so it's constantly an evolution within myself going, where am I? What do I have? What do I have to offer? What do I have and how can I be whole and complete within myself? 
Wow. Wow. Well, Susie, I see a sign behind you that says alive OS or AS. It says alive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit more about that right now. We're going to take a quick break. Um, but we're going to talk about what it means to be alive as when we come back. All right, everybody, we are back and we're going to talk to Susie a little bit now. Susie, I want to talk to you about what it means to be alive. We talk about, or we talked about your hardship and everything that you went through before this, but now what does it mean for you to be just 100% here and alive? Yeah, I love that. What I've discovered recently, it's, can I be fully expressed? You know, earlier and for the most part of my life until actually recently, even I've noticed so many things the past couple of years, can I express and, uh, through my voice, through my actions, through my um, movement, um, through life in my fullest capacity. And that is having those sweaty conversations, doing the scary things that feel bubbling up inside of me, taking care of at any time that if I feel something alive within me, and we all have felt that, you know, you, you get an idea and you feel like this... Um, I used to always talk about these four signs of resonance. You know, it's usually like some sort of tingly. You know, you have some sort of sensation in your body. You feel more energized, you know, and you can sometimes feel sweaty, like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, I don't know what to do with all this. And those are the things I talk about being alive, whether it is that conversation that you want to have with a lover, husband, friend, you know, that you are suppressing and holding back, or whether it's an idea that wants to be birthed into the world. And even that sweaty conversation is an idea. So my practice is, can I fully express? And if I can't, I look at whatever in, in, like I said, in different healing modalities, why can't I express it? What's holding me back here? And that is my absolute practice is, can I continue? And the more I move forward with courage and commitment, Um, First of all, being aware, right? Like, oh, there's a block here. You know, I feel really scared, you know, and that's where I do seek some outside guidance through um, therapists or mentors kind of going, I feel really nervous about this. You know, I'm not asking, should I go in this direction? I'm asking, do you have any advice on how to uh, move forward from this particular block that I have because I feel scared? Um, so that's what, uh, for me being alive is that, are you fully expressing at every moment to your fullest potential? Ah! <laughs> I love that. And then you're talking a little bit about being scared and about fear and that's fear is not, un, uh, sorry. Um, fear is inevitable when it comes to success. I mean, it's just part of it. We're going to be scared of moving forward. We're going to be scared of taking strides, but you know, being alive and be having fear are not you know, mutually exclusive. They kind of go hand in hand. So how do you jump over hurdles? How do you hop over the fear to take advantage of opportunity in your life? And how do you maybe let go of the fears that you would have had in the past um, and say, that's not part of my future? Yeah. So my mentor, Gay Hendricks, always quotes, uh, I think it was Fritz Perl that said is that fear is excitement without breath. You know, it's like, okay, so where am I not breathing? Where am I constricted? Where am I held back? You know, what beliefs do I have if, 
you know, I just had a conversation um, earlier this week with a uh, potential love and it was a very sweaty conversation, like for me saying everything I want and everything I desire, because, you know, there was fear of rejection or fear of, you know, all of these blah, 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 blah. So I have the courage and I, I go through and do either hypnosis or EMDR or some sort of uh, somatic based therapy so I can handle those things within myself as I keep breathing and moving through and are able to express more and more. Okay. Wow. I, I love that you brought that up because we really can't escape fear. It's it's just part of life. It's, you know, it's there. You just got to move through it, right? You can't go around it. Well, I, I will. It's, it's a little bit, it, you can escape it. Um, you can live with it. Let's say that. Okay. There, there are many people that, and, and I did that for many years, we keep everything at bay. You know, we go to our work, we don't speak up in our relationships. We keep everything, you know, held down and look perfect and status quo. And there's a low level fear, but I'm not making leaps. Anytime that you are growing, in my experience, is when fear is present because everything comes in like, don't go there. You know, all the protection mechanisms and programming that we had from youth are telling us this is a dangerous space, which is mm -hmm. such a great quality within our mind, you know, mm -hmm. of that protection. And, you know, I started off years ago just having conversations with my with myself. You know, it's like, okay, I hear you. I understand you're afraid. And then sometimes I, uh, another thing my mentor, Gay Hendricks, taught me is whenever you're afraid, First, look at reality. So, for example, if I'm having financial fears, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I used to wake up and think, oh, my God, everything's going to crash. Well, the first thing I would do is call my accountant or my CFO and say, how's everything look? You know, I want to have a meeting. I want to look at my financial status. And then when I go, oh, this really isn't rooted in reality. Everything's okay. Then I know it's some sort of internal blockage or some sort of fear. So, um, or some, it's a blockage, right? From me mm -hmm. actually expanding. So the first thing is when you're afraid, look at reality. Is there something to really be afraid of? Because there are things, right? There are individuals as abusive people, you know, mm -hmm. there are real fears that honestly, before my second bankruptcy, I used hope a.k.a. denial, and wasn't actually facing the reality as I was screwed and I was in a bad financial situation. So I avoided looking at reality. So while I had this underlying terror that things were going to fall apart, the reality is they were, number one, because I wasn't facing it. I really thought something was going to pull me out of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I blame that a little on my um you know, conservative Christian upbringing, you know, someone's going to come in and save me and, you know, everything's going to be okay. Um, but when I first started, uh, when my mentor and I first got together, he's like, oh, you're addicted to hope. And I was like, what? And I was really defensive. Like, hope is good. He goes, you know, I've gotten people off heroin in a few days. Sometimes it takes people years to get off of hope. And I was like, what are you talking about? As I unwound that, it's Hope in denial and not facing reality. So I've become um, a, a more of an expert in facing reality. This is mm -hmm. a situation. Then once I face it, I can start looking at how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's like, okay, I'm in a tough spot. 
okay, what options do I have? I remember reading, gosh, probably, you know, it's probably 40, uh, this thing about suicide. And it said that people consider suicide because unfortunately, they don't know there are other options. And I remember being at that place where I didn't think there was another option. So if I can really face reality and go, okay, I'm in a big pile of crap here, then I can actually, once I face it, I become aware. And then it's amazing how many potential solutions open up for that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never really heard it put that way. And as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm wondering, do you think that, you know, you can remain hopeful and go about reality? And there's a difference between that and hope mask as denial? Or do you think that there's just completely separate? I think they're separate. I've started using the words like faith and trust okay. um, more than hope. You know, okay. so I have faith that mm-hmm. the universe, God, whatever we want to put in there, seems to have everything working out pretty good. You know, I don't control the sun. I don't control how plants grow. I don't control oxygen. I don't control so many things. There's got to be something controlling something somewhere. So that's where Mm -hmm. I put my faith. Okay. Okay. Then I have trust in myself that I've been able to navigate very tough places and that I always find a way out. So that to me is different than what I experience and what I interpreted Mm -hmm. as hope. I've never heard it put like that before. Ever. You're the first person I've ever had heard it, you know, said that way. And I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, that's so true. I, I never even thought like there really is a difference between faith and hope. And hope, if you think about all of the things that you're so hopeful for, it almost is a sense of denial. It completely is, especially when you are not facing the fact that it's not good right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, for example, in the abuse of marriage for four years, I kept hoping it was going to get better, hoping it was going to get better. You know, I hoped that it was going to get better. I wasn't facing the fact when that psychiatrist said that to me. That's when I started facing reality like, oh, damn, I'm in a really bad situation. I got to get out. Right. So that was that was the fully facing. I no longer held on to that hope that it was going to change without me doing some sort of action. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of dumbfounded right now because you kind of just blew my mind. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. You really did. People don't talk about it because hope is, again, it can be a triggering thing. You know, people are like, Mm -hmm. I need my hope. Right. I need it. I get Mm -hmm. it. Um, I personally was addicted to it. You know, it was my drug of choice. It's like, I'm just going to be in denial and I'm going to hope everything's okay as it wasn't over and over and over again. You know, I thought I wasn't hoping enough. You know, if I could just hope more, then it was really going to happen. For, so mm-hmm. for me, the freedom came when I had the courage to start fully facing. And then I could start, you know, going, oh, hold on. I don't have to hope here. I actually can just have faith and trust in myself that I can actually find a solution and get my way out. Absolutely. And then you were talking about, um, you know, the financial problems earlier and your hope kind of masked your ability to look at that as a reality and move forward with finding solutions. Now, Um, I know that you were bankrupt and you filed for bankruptcy twice, but I've seen where you've said before that you weren't just bankrupt in your finances. You were bankrupt in all areas of your life. Um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more on what that means to you. Yeah. So after my second bankruptcy, I went to a hypnotherapist and the guy says, you know, I'm all, you know, victim telling him how horrible my life is and how, you know, what a bad situation I'm in. And he said, you know, your problem is you have no meaning in your life. I said, what are you talking about? I have kids. That's literally what I said. And he goes, 
Yeah, there's this book by Viktor Frankl called Man's, um, uh, what's it called? Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you've read that, but it's really good. Um, And it was an amazing book. And I started going like, oh, that meaning, the greater meaning, the greater purpose. For some people, it's uh, religious meaning. For some people, it's, you know, some sort of spiritual meaning. For some people, it's their family. It's a, a, a plethora of things that could be. But once we align ourselves to that meaning Mm -hmm. that, you know, kept me from, uh, before, you know, which I, my meaning was actually success, you know, that, that was my big meaning. And then when that got taken away, I thought I was, you know, more worthless than I even was before. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I started finding a higher meaning, higher purpose, I'm sounding a little bit like an Instagram meme right now, you know, it's it's a little cliche, um, but it's absolutely true. So once I started finding that greater meaning and purpose within my being, even though I didn't, I don't have my purpose, like, Oh, my purpose is to, you know, inspire the world. You know, I don't really have that set, but what I know my purpose is to be alive in every moment to express And that seems to inspire along the way, which fulfills kind of a greater purpose and a greater meaning uh, within, you know, my particular life. Mm -hmm. And something, you know, that we talk a little bit about here at Success, you know, along with self-worth is um, what we are worth financially and net worth. But self-worth leads to net worth, right? You have to understand what you are worth in order to find your success in order to gain, you know, that sense of purpose and um, career wise and everything moving forward. And that's something that you experienced for yourself is when you found your self-worth, when you understood that power within and who you are and what you're worth, you were finally able to tackle and chase your own dreams. I was absolutely. And, you know, whenever I made the Forbes list a couple of years ago, um, which was a, such a surprise and amazement. I um, spent four hours on my kitchen floor crying. And, um, well, you know, and my family was like, what's going on? And I said, you know, have you ever seen people in a marathon and they collapse across that line? And they said, yeah. And I said, that's what I feel like. But the only thing is I didn't know that I was still running as well. So what I knew is that while I did find a lot of external success in everything I was doing, what I didn't realize is the energy and effort that it took for me to break generational poverty. Um, it was a lot of energy, you know, because that those that programming, those are like uh deep ruts that we get in. If you look at generation after generation, you know, rich man, uh, what was it? Rich dad, poor dad. I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. read that book. You know, it's like, if you're rich, then you kind of have this thing. Well, if you're poor, that programming is in there that you're always going to be poor, right? So there mm-hmm. is some sort of generational aspect. And, um, what I realized is as I was healing and finding more external success, what I was doing was really getting out of this really deep pattern of generational poverty. And once I got across that line, knowing that I had shifted not only for my life, but for my children's lives and our future generations, I, it was like a big exhale, like, oh, my God, okay, you know, I've crossed another line, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. conscious to me all mm-hmm. along. Wow. And, you know, you're, you're talking about generational poverty and generational trauma is, you know, I feel like really under-recognized. I feel like a lot of people don't look at it, that you're oftentimes conditioned from your upbringing, from 
from the events of your life and the events of the lives of the people before you to think and be a certain way. And through your success, you've completely changed that for your children. They have a completely different life than you had growing up, and they might not have to cross those barriers that that you really had to tough it out and work so hard to, to pass and to shatter. How does that make you feel? I feel really good and really proud. Um, I really feel like at any moment, if this were my last breath, I feel like, oh, I would feel satisfied. You know, I know that the the work that I've done, I know what I have done inside my being to shift and change. And uh, it feels really good. Now, granted, my children don't have that, but they they have their own struggles. And mm-hmm. what's so amazing about struggle, I think there's this misconception in the Instagram world that we live in that everything has to be good and perfect. Um, that's not, again, reality. The reality is we actually grow during struggle. That is mm-hmm. when we mostly grow. If you think of a, if you think of a plant coming up through soil, right? You think about the pressure and the energy to actually pop, pop through. So those struggles in our life, if we can start flipping those around and going, wow, I'm really struggling here. The wonderful thing is that that struggle is going to be, and if you make it through that struggle and actually pop through to the other side, there's a reward on the other mm-hmm. side of that. It's not to say we're not going to struggle. My children are going to have their own internal struggles, their own internal battles that are different than mine. But what mm-hmm. I know is that they're not going to be, they're not exempt from struggle because that seems to be the way of it. So if mm-hmm. the way of it is that we grow through struggle, the question is how do we handle those particular struggles, knowing and start accepting that it's just a part of life. You know, everybody has it. You know, you think you're, you're great and your family and all of a sudden, oh, my God, you know, somebody has cancer, right? There's that struggle. But then you find the love of your family and you bond and you union. You know, there's another growth period within yourself or your family. And it's just the nature of life is that struggle mm-hmm. exists. Well, and it goes back to that saying that I think everybody on the planet knows what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? All of the things that we go through, they're what shape us to be who we are. You know, um, every bad breakup, every financial, you know, problem that you run into, every struggle that you have is what gives you the strength to move forward. And every time you get a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger, it's like that muscle that we always talk about of resilience. Resilience is a muscle. And the only way to build it is to work it. And so yeah, healing, right? Yes, We're back healing. to healing. Yes, <laughs> to work it and to also harvest from it. So in the past, you know, prior to 38, I was just, I went from one thing to the other without stopping and really going back and harvesting the lessons that I learned and really growing from that. So yes, we do grow by default as we keep running. But if you really take time, and one of the things I do in you know, the Course of Live OS is we go back and we harvest all of those learnings that we had and pay attention to those and focus on those. You know, when you do that, then, you know, in my experience, I still have what we would consider struggle, but they don't take me out anymore. You know, it's mm-hmm. more like, this is uncomfortable. I got myself in a really tight spot here. What am I going to do? You know, as opposed to being on antidepressants for seven years, you know, like tapping Mm -hmm. out or drinking or drugging or shopping or distracting myself from that reality. It's like, okay, I'm going to struggle here. 
there's got to be something for me to learn. What is there to me for me to learn? Where are the patterns in the past that, you know, that contributed to this? And then once I do that, it's like you can grow exponentially mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, growing by default of just the struggle alone. So that's why I teach my children. It's like you're going to have struggles. That's just the way of it. And you're going to survive the struggles. That's the fact. All of us do. But really, there's a way to optimize those struggles. And it's by really taking the time to look in. And usually with a therapist, what did I learn? You know, where do mm-hmm. I, where's the new space I am now? Because I'm not there. And mm-hmm. what new tools do I have in my toolbox to move forward? And that's a very empowering place to be. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up optimizing your struggle because that's what we really should do. But a lot of people, they, they mask their coping mechanisms. I'm putting up air quotes right now because you brought up drinking, shopping, um, retail therapy, all of those ways that we make ourselves feel better right now in the interim that in the long run are going to do nothing but add to our detriment. Right. Yep. Yep. So I know all those (laughs) very well, (laughs) multiple, multiple times in my life. (laughs) Well, Susie, another thing that you brought up earlier is you said there was a point in your life or I don't know, multiple points where you thought, what's the point of going on? And that is, um, unfortunately all, too common and something that a lot of people struggle with. And I'm sure that was a really lonely point in your life. Where did you find community and connection and how did you push forward? You know, I, I'm going to try to find this quote, but there, there was a great philosopher. Um, I don't know if it was Nietzsche. Someone said that at some point in our life, we all are at this place where we think, is it even worth it? Should I even go on? And it's those internal contemplations of where we can start making choices, right? It's it's not the fact that, you know, it's not that we shouldn't consider those spaces. It's that we should really consider those spaces, okay? Going, is it really worth it? And if you really inquire, and that's when I started finding, that's where I find every time, you know, hope, hope, okay, faith, you know, that <laughs> it is, see that word keeps popping up, to where I find faith that, um, it is worth it, you know, to, to, to move on and to, uh, not end it all. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it would be so unfortunate, uh, for not just myself, but for everyone around me. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, after my second bankruptcy, I had a moment of where I got down on my knees and I had the proverbial plead to God. I was really a, one of probably the lowest points in my life. And I had children, so I was not going to attempt suicide again. But I really begged God to take me. I was like, take me, you know, like you need to give me a disease or something because I can't do this anymore. It was at that full surrender when we go, I can't do this, that something else new can emerge. You know, the people around us, we can start seeing life differently. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, Again, I find myself at so many times in my life where I I push and fight and I just don't surrender, right? And mm-hmm. uh, whenever I can fully surrender to the moment and go, I don't feel like going on. It's like, okay, can I fully feel that? What does that feel like? I feel in my belly right now. You know, it's just like, oh. And then in my experience, something new always emerges, but that's fully facing again, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to run away from it or deny it, it's like, yeah, I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's worth it. You know, we do that in relationships. Is it worth it? 
is this really worth it? And if we can have those honest communications, not just with others, but with ourselves, in my experience, I found, hold on, it is worth it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it is worth it. And and look at, look at you now, Susie, like, uh, to all the people listening, look at everything that she went through and all of the, the hardships that some of us can't even imagine. And you sat there and you thought, take me, I, I can't take it anymore. And look at you now, you, when you realized it was worth it, you were able to push through boundaries. I'm sure that you didn't even know existed. And you're a major success. You have a multi-million dollar company. It, you have purpose. And for people listening, I just, I, I want to let you know that you have purpose. You're, you're meant to be here. You were put here for a reason. 7 billion people on this earth. You were supposed to be here. Yeah. You're supposed to be one of them. And find out what that is. You know? Yes. Yeah, that's that's the journey to be on. You know, it's mm-hmm. like find out what that is. What is that about? Mm-hmm. What is your expression about? Um, one of my other mentors, she's passed away now, Barbara Marks Hubbard, she used to say that these uh, these impulses within us that feel alive, let's go back to, you know, what it feels like to be alive. She called them evolutionary impulses. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So what she was saying is, what if it's actually evolution itself? What if it's life itself telling you exactly what you need to be doing to bring more aliveness to the actual collective? Wow. Right? So that's mm-hmm. why I'm so inspired by people following any idea. You know, one of my family members just is on a scary adventure now in a new career. And, you know, I get these calls, you know, just, oh, my God, this is so hard. It's so horrible. And I'm like, yeah. And you know what? You're doing it. You know, you're following that impulse. So mm-hmm. how can you continue showing up knowing And you don't have to know. My experience is my purpose, you know, sometimes I think we get hooked on that purpose. What if my purpose is just to follow the alive idea in the moment? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I really put my purpose as. What if it's just showing up for this podcast? And that's it, you know, and then, you know, one or two people, you know, go, oh, my God, something clicked for me. Something shifted. My worth is, you know, my life has been worth it to this point. You know, it's like, oh, that's great. I'm awesome. How awesome you found a shift. You know, I needed those people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you came on here, Susie. And, and you mentioned, you know, the importance of showing up every day. And even when you don't see the success in front of you, right, even when it's not happening right now, the importance of not giving up and continuing to move forward. I mean, I think a lot of people put an age cap on success and they put an age cap. If I haven't made it by this point, I'm never going to make it. Um, there are, you know, that's, that's really prominent, I think in industries like in Hollywood and then, you know, in a lot of industries across the world, if I haven't made it by this point, well, then it's never going to happen for me. What do you say to those people? Because you are the living proof that that doesn't matter. You can make it at any point at any stage of your life and you can make it big. Yeah. And maybe the time wasn't right for you to make it. What if now's the time? You know, can you just be open to that? And no matter mm-hmm. what it is, you know, what if what if what you have to bring to the world is like me, which I never knew. You know, if you would ask me 20 years ago, no way. You know, if they mm-hmm. would have said, hey, someday, you know, you're going to be inspiring millions of people. I'd be like, what? I was so far <laughs> from that. But as I continued healing and finding, uh, you know, the happiness and success and joy within myself, 
I find that that radiates out to other people. And but but you know the purpose, you know my my purpose is to keep expressing fully in this moment, to keep showing up, to keep just doing that. I have no agenda other than right now in this moment, this is what feels most alive to me. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. That's it. And what if that were my purpose? That's really kind of nice. I'm off the hook for anything in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to wait till the next <laughs> moment. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so beautifully said. And and like you said earlier, I mean, what if your purpose today was to get on this podcast and you're just speaking to a few a few people out there who are just like, oh my god, I needed to hear this. This yes. conversation changed everything for me. Right? You yes. never know. And that's so what happens. You know, my experience is those those messages just come at exactly the right time. It's never too mm-hmm. late. It's always at the perfect moment. And that's just 100% my experience. You can put a lie detector test on me. I'd be like, that's the way it works. I know it, <laughs> you know, and obviously it wasn't right before now, right? Because mm-hmm. it didn't happen. So let's face reality. It didn't happen. Okay. Now what's new? What's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if it didn't happen, then what's going to happen now? It, you know, the, the, everything is constantly changing. You can't see the future. You know, you can't. So I have loved talking to you today, Susie. This has been so much fun um, and so empowering. Honestly, this whole podcast now, the new chapter of success stories is all about women who make an impact and, you know, who, who have positive influence in the world. And to say that you have made an impact and that you're empowering is an understatement. Mm. Your story is it, it, it really, it really touched my heart. I know that it's really going to touch the heart of a lot of our listeners. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing that, for you being vulnerable and um, coming onto this podcast and, and maybe helping just a, a few people going through something today and maybe help pull them out of it. Yeah, what I really want to appreciate um, about your podcast, too, and thank you for having me on and being able to share, like, it really is my greatest honor. Like, oh, my God. Like, again, I get teary thinking about just that I can even be in this position. But I remember I used to listen to Zig Ziglar, Les Brown. All these motivational speakers were all men, right? And I never (laughs) even realized it. Like, I, I, that's just the way it was back then, you know, 30 years ago. And, you know, even more. It was, and what I love and appreciate that you are actually having women actually uh, doing and speaking about you know, motivating other women, that feels really good because that wasn't a reality back in the day for myself. And I didn't even realize it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Susie. That, that really, that means so much to me because, you know, I'm a firm believer in the saying empowered women, empower women. And that's my goal here. Um, that's what we strive to do here at success and to, to bring people like you on who can come onto the podcast and, and be a voice for the unheard, right? We're just now having the opportunity to have our turn on the mic. Yeah. So, so let's, yeah. let's talk. <laughs> so great. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for our guests that want to continue following you and learning about your journey, where, th- where can they find you? SusieBatiz.com, um, S-U-Z-Y, B-A-T-I-Z, same thing on Instagram. Um, I check most of my DMs myself, so, you know, reach out. Um, I love hearing from people and connecting. They're always surprised when I answer. It is me answering. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear from you and hear a part of your journey. It's always um, inspiring for me um, to see other women. You know, it gives me courage and it gives me hope uh, to continue moving forward as well. 
Well, thank you, Susie. I hope that you have a great day. And hopefully this isn't the last time we're going to talk to you here at Success. So I can't wait until the next time I get to see you, but we'll talk to you soon. No, same. I loved it. Thank you so much. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.